WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz. And this week's guests are the team behind IDW's new series, Breath of Shadows, Rich Dweck and Alec Cormick. Welcome. How are you doing? Hey, how's it going? So, uh, how is everyone's NFL postseason going? I know. Yeah, not too shabby. Yeah, you know, uh, I've been uh, been paying too close attention because a lot of comics writing. So, yep. <laughs> they're not they don't write themselves. Unfortunately, that, that is true. <laughs> uh, more NFC East than I'd ever expected to see in one postseason. I will. Uh, I'll, I'll say at least that much. Mm-hmm. But uh, Rich, did I, did I see you? You uh, you went to Turkey recently. You did some traveling uh, over the holidays. Yeah, yeah. Back in uh, in December, I was in uh, Istanbul for about a week. Um, wow. Yeah, I in my uh, my other life, I'm in uh, uh, advertising. I'm a creative director, so we were shooting a commercial for dishwasher detergent. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> So for various reasons, uh, it was, uh, I guess, cheapest to call to shoot it in Turkey. Um, and the guy, who, one of our clients, who was um, kind of the head of this division at his company, is from Turkey. So he kind of knew people there, and uh, it was it was cool. I've never been before. It's a beautiful country. I didn't get to see much of it because I was working a lot, but um, you know, I did get a day like afternoon afternoon here or there to kind of wander around the city city and it was really really beautiful very, very cool. cool yeah uh alex since you are a first-time guest i will ask you the first-time guest question what are some of the first comics that you remember reading oh my god um well, i i'll tell sort of like the um so my comic reading comics for me really started with um apart from like the sunday funnies in the newspaper like uh other than like going down like Garfield and Farside and Calvin Hobbes, those guys uh, to like a real, like actual comic comic book would be uh, uh, basically I'll started with uh, my older brother who's five years older and he was crazy about comics and whatever he basically left on the floor, I'd come into his room and kind of grab while he was out and kind of sneak a look at some of these things. And uh, so a lot of those were like, the one specific I remember was like Craven's last hunt. And okay. I remember like, that was like whatever year that was. Picking awesome that up book. and thinking like Spider-Man was hardcore, you know, <laughs> and uh, and not not realizing it's most of the time it's kind of lighthearted and funny. I'm like, no, Spider-Man is like dark. This is heavy stuff. Like people are like this rat guys <laughs> on the sewer. It's like this, this lady's ribs and rats are crawling. I'm like, oh my god, this is this is heavy stuff. And he blew his brains out and oh. So, um, but a lot of that, and a lot of and like everybody else my age, uh, like uh, when the Batman movies came out, I was big into Batman. Uh, mm-hmm. like X-Men, you know, like, um, the usual suspects and all that. Sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but that was my yeah. first, first round when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, Cra- Craven, the thing about Craven's last hunt is it's definitely a, it's, it's Spider-Man doing a Batman and it's also Spidey getting ready for the nineties, you know, just brooding and getting dark. Oh, know. totally. Yeah. Cause, <laughs> Cause I remember like the whole, all that, like, uh, when, uh, the actual Spider-Man, the McFarlane, like, standalone mm-hmm. like i remember like getting a hold of that and just be like you know uh well actually so the thing with uh craven when he blew off his head so mm-hmm. my mother ripped that page out of this 
the Cravens had last hunt because she didn't want us to see it. And uh, I didn't know what happened to him. I just <laughs> guess it was just all of a sudden that it was blank. And then I didn't realize what he did until like when it was like Spider Man three or four when he's like hallucinating. You see, he's Craven with a big whole like uh, crescent moon in his head. And I was like, oh my God, he blew his brains out. And the thing is, I didn't see, I didn't see a look at that. My brother actually grabbed me, he's like, hey, check this out. Whoa, check it out. Look, his brains are everywhere. And I'm like, oh, it's gnarly. All right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you know the story, but that started out as a Batman pitch. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I talked about that on that chat very recently, didn't you, Matt? A little bit ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Demetrius started out with a Batman pitch about, I can't remember which villain, maybe it was Hugo Strange doing that. that. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And so it they didn't take it. He had two pitches. He had that and he had a Joker pitch that he kind of cobbled together to make Craven's Last Hunt. The Joker pitch eventually he did wind up doing in Legends of the Dark Knight arc going sane with Joe Staten. But right. yeah, that, that's... Oh, that's cool. I had no idea. I, th I thought you were saying that he was going to have Joker in the sewer eating people. <laughs> <laughs> he just swapped uh, just faces, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh you guys are here to promote breath of shadows which is your new idw series with uh letterer justin birch uh issue number one comes out february 1st as of this recording uh matt would you kindly read the solicit blurb for the listeners it's the mid-1960s and jimmy meadows should be on top of the world his band's most recent album just went gold and they're riding a wave of international fame but jimmy is driven by only one thing where to get his next fix. With his band at the end of their ropes and his life falling apart, Jimmy thinks he may be finished until a friend tells him about a controversial method deep in the jungles of South America that can help him kick his addiction for good. But is clean living actually in Jimmy's future? Or will he instead unleash horrors beyond his wildest nightmares? So uh, what is the origin of this, uh, of this comic? How did you guys conceive this uh word and picture baby uh well i guess it kind of actually started all the way back with like road of bones because when we pitched road of bones we kind of um talked to idw but also like just between me and alex just like you know um if people dig it like we, we would love to do some more like horror stories and we didn't really want to do like like a bunch of sequels where like we would be doing like road of bones two or road of bones three or stuff like that. But, you know, we kind of like playing in the historical eras and um, with a lot of like psychological and, and supernatural horror and stuff like that. Um, so we kind of landed on the idea that we were going to do these standalone stories that were kind of linked by like theme and, 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 and atmosphere and just sort of like, you know, just the way the stories are told. And, um, you know, Alex had said to me, like, you know, um, that he really liked uh, drawing the snow stuff because he was living in Vermont at the time and, and looking, I mean, he, he lives in Vermont now. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, like like you were saying, Alex, like you, you'd see like the snow outside your window and stuff. And, and you know, it's like kind of cool to like do a little drawing from life. And he said that, you know, we want, it, the other areas he would love to explore would be like um, on the ocean and in a jungle. So 
the ocean, we know that was kind of the where we got Sea of Sorrows from. And then uh, it was like, okay, well, you know, we all want to do a third book. So I guess, I guess we got to think of a, a jungle story. So that was, that, that was like the start of it. And then it's sort of like you, you say, okay, well, you know, there's several jungles around the world and uh, which one are we going to pick and when? Um, and uh, I've been reading um, this book by uh, William S. Burroughs called the Yage letters, which um, basically there, and there is like a character in the book that, has like a similar um, uh, background and stuff, but basically William S. Burroughs was an author um, and he was like a, a beat, beat, beat poet, beat, beat novelist, and uh, also a, a notorious heroin addict. And he had heard of tales of this drug available in um, Central South America called Yage, which we know today is ayahuasca. Uh, I think it was like a less common name for that. But um, back in those days, it was a lot of like, you know, sort of like um, rumors and hyperbole and saying like, you know, you could kind of, you know, it, it would cure heroin addiction and, and you know, um, kind of uh, let you, you know, transcend your conscious or whatever. Uh, so anyway, so he did go down and and kind of journaled a semi-fictional account of his like quest for, for this. Uh, and that just sort of, uh, you know, I started thinking about that and, you know, seemed like a lot of fun to like set it in the sixties with like a, like a rock and roll band. And, and then it all just sort of developed from there. So that's my insanely long-winded answer. I, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and as so as you mentioned, you you guys have worked together three times now between Road of Bones and Sea of Sorrows and now Breath of Shadows. Uh, you know, what's what's something that you like about working with each other? What's something that is you feel like is unique to the way you two work together that might be different from when you're working with a different uh, creator? Alex, you want to? I, I, I just uh, talked. Sure, yeah, um, you start. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, well, the, the nice thing is, I mean, we're friends already. Like when we, even before we started doing all, like even before Road of Bones, all this stuff, like we were already friends, we were buddies and we knew each other. And, um, so it just it's like that, just working with your friends. And, uh, it's, it's, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything that's uh, different from anybody. Like it's, it's, I, I don't know. <laughs> that's I a mean, great answer, right? <laughs> no, I, I love, you know, aside from, like Alex is like super talented as an artist. And I, I love that. Like um, there's nothing I can throw at him where he's just sort of like uh, what, or I, I don't know how to do that or, or whatever. Like I've, you know, written some pretty gnarly panel descriptions and uh, you know, the most I'll get is like, wow, that's awesome. Or, you know, like, I can't wait to draw that. You know? <laughs> so it's very cool. Like um, that, you know, uh, whatever we're working on i always get the sense that alex is like all in on it you know he's definitely not like mailing it in and and he's you know just uh you know just very easy to work with because you know part of that i think comes from working with each other a lot but also just you know like part is just that we're friendly and friends and you know have known each other for a long time so you know we're uh, <clears throat> we've kind of like developed like a really good working relationship too 
how how did you first connect (laughs) (laughs) um well there's a small publisher i don't know if you guys are aware of called comics tribe oh okay Uh, yeah okay so um so alex had been working with them for a while i hadn't done a book with them at the time but was very friendly with all those guys over there um so we would uh we would see each other at conventions like new york comic-con every year um you know we would all kind of hang out go out to dinner go to go out drinking do another stuff um so that's like how we met and then um alex started doing a book uh called sync with uh, our friend john lees um which is another like great great horror book um and i know they're gonna have more coming out soon um that looks insane just from what alex has shown me but anyway so i was looking at sync and like it was a different uh style than i was used to from alex because the only thing i'd seen before from you alex i think at that point was that oxymoron series you did for comic oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. very different style it was way more like uh superhero style yeah but, but like when i saw sync yeah. i I was like in the middle of writing and the pitch for Road of Bones and I was looking for an artist and I, I looked at Sync and I was like, oh, Alex, you gotta, you gotta hear this idea <laughs> that I have because I think you, I think you'd be like perfect for it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was great because, uh, we, yeah, it was New York Comic Con and Rich just grabbed me like, I, I gotta talk to you. I'm like, all right, what's up? It's like, uh, yeah, I got this idea. It's, uh, for this like, uh, gulag story, like, uh, like a prison escape and they're out in like the this like siberia in the snow and all this i'm like yeah i even if i had nothing to do with this i would i would b- go out <laughs> by the book and so yeah, yeah whatever i gotta do i mean <laughs> yeah i think like i think you even like told your brother like adam there and he was like he was like yeah. he, he brought you over and he was like all right he's doing it like like, he just <laughs> my, like my manager yeah <laughs> <laughs> adam, get over there talk to him <laughs> i can do that so he took 10% of your page rate for that then? <laughs> 10, I wish, I wish. It was uh, 30. <laughs> Got to pay him back for all the comic books that he stole off his floor. So that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those two pages that got ripped out of Cravens last time, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Hey, blame me for something. <laughs> oh, boy. What, what was... I, I guess the the sort of stepbrothers, did we just become fret best friends moment where you you realized, you know, oh, we, you know, we work well together. We'd like to keep working together. You know, that happened during Road of Bones. Was it sometime after? Was, uh, probably just, yeah, somewhere in Road of Bones. Uh, I, I can't think of a specific moment unless, Rich, can, if, you, if you can. I just, I just remember getting into it and being like, I, yeah. This- Really great. I, I'm enjoying myself. This is, I love this book. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, like, I think there was like probably like I, I there was like one panel. It might have been the end of like issue three or something. I think it was the end of issue three yeah. where like I just looked at the last panel and I was like, oh, that's so fucking good. Like that's you know, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, and it wasn't really like. Uh, I think it's just like the monster, like in the darkness, like smiling. And I, but I just yeah. thought it was like so cool. That, I mean, like you know, I was definitely on board. Like, like I'm not saying like I wasn't on board before mm-hmm. issue three. Like, you know, I was on board from like the very first sketches yeah. Alex sent through. But I think you were all just, very nervous. Like, oh, I don't know. I, don't know. I just like I just remember like opening like the PDF and like looking through the PDF and like like seeing that 
that last page and just being like, fuck, oh, that's amazing. So <laughs> but I guess like maybe that's where it was for me, but <laughs> yeah, I was earlier on for me. It was just uh, I, probably that first panel that I walked into the slider. So before we even like uh, got it picked up, we did like a small pitch get, which was yeah. maybe like four or five pages of um, yeah, you know, trudging out of the snow and kind of deal with all that. And I think that first shot, I was like, okay, I this is like an illustration I've always wanted to do, like something in the like in this. So like I, I basically like this is the drawing I've always wanted to do. It was like that first panel I drew. And I'm like, oh, this is gonna be so much fun. And it's yeah, like it's one of those like, oh, I wish I could do like. A, yeah, I got some more ideas. Oh, I could try this. Even today, there's a big snowstorm uh, last night, so I was out uh, the back in the backyard with my uh, boy playing the snow, and I was like, "Oh, see how it's done this? Like how it's kind of piled up here? Oh, I could have done that." And oh, look at the shadow over here. Like and so, <laughs> yeah, it's funny because those five pages that we made, they actually wound up being the, the last five pages in, yeah. in the book. Um, and normally I think like when, when you're like pitching a comic, you know, kind of the instinct is to just start a page one and, and like, you know, send in the first 10 pages, the first five pages or whatever. But the reason we did that was because, you know, since it was like a historical setting and we wanted to like take some pains to get that right, um, that the first five pages were like kind of like a little bit of like setting the scene of like, you know, you're in this prison camp and and here's the politics of the prison camp, stuff like that. And it wasn't really, you know, like we didn't have them escaping on page one. Like we kind of needed to set up a little bit of like where they're escaping from. Mm. So, um, so we just kind of made the decision to like, kind of, you know, uh, if we really wanted, like, if we were going to do like, kind of like the movie trailer of this, like, you know, we, we would want like, to really show kind of like those scenes where they're actually doing what we're talking about in, in the pitch of like, you know, they're escaping into the, into Siberia. So, so that's why we did that instead of the first, first five. What, what is a, what is a time where maybe you, you had a disagreement about a story point and how did you work through it? Uh, I'm trying to think of where we would have had one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, gotta, yeah, I, I don't I, think you know what? That's I, great. I it's, really, really, it's really sweet. No, you know, not to like, not to be boring or anything, but it's like, it's like, we, so sorry. we got in a huge fight and, uh, Rich, no, you know, I mean, like everything I could think of that like might have led to a disagreement where where it would it would have been something where like I'm writing something and then like I'm I'm kind of like second guessing myself saying like this is this is too messed up this is too gross this is too bleak or whatever and then being like I hope Alex likes it and then like invariably he's like I love it like I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna make it grosser. Or, you know, like, you know. <laughs> the, the uh, only thing I can think of is like there was it wasn't even an argument. You know, I was someone I, I brought up and I was like, oh, you knocked out the, two of these characters right in a row, like on this page. And you're like, it was that two or I'm like, no, it's perfect. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, the only thing like especially this. Is, so this series of Breath of Shadows, uh, like the only thing that this is this is the one time that I've actually had to draw something that gave me the creeps, which is all these uh, the centipedes, mm -hmm. which is 
you know, on page one and yeah, like page one, it's exploding out of his arm. And uh, and I've said this before, but I mean, just like when I when I first tried drawing them, I'm like, I don't want to look at like bugs are like the one thing that like I, I hate bugs. You know, uh, like uh, like uh, drawing a dude blowing up, the guts, blood, you know, whatever. That's fine. Um, anything like that, sure, all day. But uh, but yeah. So um, I was trying to draw these bugs, and I couldn't. It wasn't working. I'm like, all right, I gotta look up actual bugs and draw from that, get some reference. And man, googling that was the worst. <laughs> and he was still like, and uh, and my wife, who's doing the coloring, she's always telling me to yell at Rich because. Like damn it, there's too many legs and there's too many leaves. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but um, but luck, luckily Rich told me that uh, drawing all these guys it really grossed me out. And I got to send him in. And he was grossed out, so we grossed each other out. So it was great. <laughs> <laughs> so this was kind of like immersion therapy for you. Like, ah, oh, I don't like bugs. I'm gonna draw all the bugs. Yeah, yeah it, it didn't Alex, work. <laughs> he's really going. He's really going fear factor. <laughs> yeah, great. I, I need to go. <laughs> Great. <laughs> is that still even a show? No, I don't think it is anymore. I, 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 oh, dude, I think it dropped like fifty. They ever bring it back? Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, I'll be. I'll be. I'll, I won't be alone. Great. Send it an audition tape, Alex. Okay, but this yeah, is yeah. this is a good time travel story where somebody goes back ten years and punches Joe Rogan in the face. I mean. <laughs> 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 oh. I would watch that movie. Uh. <laughs> I would. Yeah. It's on Time Machine 3. Joe yeah. Rogan punchers. It's just yeah. The movie's 10 minutes. It's great. <laughs> maybe that'll be maybe that'll be our fourth series together. Yeah, that'll be it. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Punch of Rogan, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <Biggest. laughs> actually, you know what? When, when did of become a key part of the naming convention for these series? I think it, I mean, you know, obviously it was with Sea of Sorrows because we were looking for like a second title. Like I said, I think, you know, we didn't like, we knew we didn't want to do like Road of Bones 2. So it was like, but we kind of wanted to clue people into the fact that they were, you know, that there were kind of like connections and like, you know, threads between them as far as like, you know, theme and style go. So it was just the idea to like, uh, have them be, you know, road of bones, sea of sorrows, and then for breath of shadows was like, you know, I almost felt like we screwed ourselves because I was like, it spent like <laughs> long. I made like lists and lists of like this of that, that of this, this of that, and uh, you know, uh, as our friend, uh, I remember what John Lee said. Yeah, yeah, John's like, piece of shit. Pile of shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, great. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, you know, but then Breath of Shadows really seemed to fit, even though it was like, uh, it was a little weird because it was like, it's like, is it okay that it's not like a place name? You know, it's like, you know, the road of bones. It's like, yeah, you know, it's fine. It still works. So, you know, sure. we're, uh, very happy with it and it does make sense like when you read you know when you read the whole story you'll you'll see why why it's named that so uh yeah you know I, again the big theme with with you guys' work together has been uh historical horror fiction so you had road of bones that was set in 1950 siberia sea of sorrows set uh 
at sea post-World War One. Now you're in the 60s, uh, starting in L.A. and then going to the jungles of South America. You know, Rich, you already talked about uh, reading, you know, William S. Burroughs for this. But, uh, you know, what else kind of went into the uh, the research phase for this book? Well, listen, listen to a lot of music from the 60s, um, you know, both to like kind of as research, but also to like kind of get in the headspace of like, you know, like writing and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I think like one of the things that really struck me was like, you know, there's a lot going on in the 60s. Obviously, there was Vietnam, there was, you know, a lot of, you know, the civil rights movement and riots and stuff like that. And, and, um, there was, I think, listening to like all the music from the era, there was this sense of like, you know, we're going to change the world, man. You know, like, like we're going to like solve all the problems. All you need is love. You know, I mean, we're talking like rock and roll, but even back to like Bob Dylan and folk music of like, you mm -hmm. know, times are changing and stuff like that. And, and then I was just sort of thinking like, you know, 20 years later, somehow like all you need is love became like, greed is good and you know like uh it just sort of seemed like uh all the promise and all the hope of like the vibe of like the 60s just somehow like didn't happen and i thought that was really interesting and kind of wanted to um explore that a little bit so that is definitely something we get into uh, in the book but it's also kind of was where got the uh idea to have it be centered around like a rock band and like a rock stars because just the music of that era i mean as much as I, you know it's not bad music i love it and you know i love a lot of the music from that era but it is sort of like you know this sort of like empty promise of like you know world changing stuff so mm -hmm. yeah yeah, it's anyway. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it is oh. fascinating because it's such an optimistic time, but you know, the dark mm -hmm. mirror is is there in like the Manson murders and Altamont, and yeah. you know, it, the seventies in so many ways were this sort of like dark reaction to the sixties. You know, even in culture, if you look at like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Fear mm -hmm. Loathing in Las Vegas, the whole the entire auteur director movement. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, you know, is there sort of a piece of dark history from from that time that that stands out as like uh, uh, a favorite or a, uh, you know, kind of key chestnut for you? From like 60s or 70s or 60s, 60s or, or, or sort of like the reaction to it in right, the 70s? Right. Uh, Alex? I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, like a, a favorite dark period of that period, that time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I would go with like the movies you're talking about. Um, like, uh, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen, well, you just mentioned Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? Um, and all those like just the turnaround for our horror movies, turnaround for just cinema in general. I mean, think about the movies, like what was coming out in the early 60s as opposed to what was coming out in the 70s. It's night and day. And um, just kind of a more like drop it like, I mean, the change from the 50s to the 60s is insane. Like, think of somebody like Hendrix compared to just Elvis or even Sinatra going even further back. It's just, it's another planet, you know? It's just how, how like, it's all of a sudden somebody hit the gas 
uh like in 65 and so much crazy stuff happened so fast like you know like we mentioned the beatles a second ago how like over there around seven years if that just mm-hmm. and, you know and people are still chasing that like uh and like you know the, the whole thing all these guys died at 27 for crying out loud you know um mm-hmm. it's just it's just it's just bananas it's it's an insane because you go back and like you listen to song actually and kind of get like where that kind of turned into like the early rock and roll like stuff and you look at like chuck berry and where that came from blues and stuff like that and um but yeah it's just how fast everything changed how quickly it changed and then and like rich was saying it was going and then it was like let's do this let's get up let's save the world let's you know freaking woodstock peace and love all right and it just it looked great on a t-shirt but uh that's and it didn't really go anywhere and you I mean, you can still listen to some of this music. I mean, and you you can get inspired by it. You can be like, all right, what can I do to myself here in 2023? And like, to, it, it's a good message. They, just, for whatever reason, they didn't get followed through. But it's you, you hope that you don't want to give up on you know all this type of stuff. But uh, but that's where we came in and we messed these guys up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, plus we're telling a horror story. You know, like we're not telling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're not doing peace and love here. It's yeah. uh, we, we get, uh, bugs and people getting messed up. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, I guess for me, like, like aside, you know, just like Alex mentioned, like all the cinema and stuff, but also like, um, you know, I, I love like the rise of like punk rock and and you know hardcore and stuff like that. It's very much like music of like disillusioned youth. Oh, it's totally all those hippies and then pull it through. Like, yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, like I got something to say, I kind of know how to play this and yeah, <laughs> but I agree. I love all that, like uh, all that stuff. I love like that, especially the hardcore stuff from like, uh, eighties, like, you know, you go through like bad brains, minor threat. Yep. Uh, all those guys are being agnostic front. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, that, that was like the music I grew up on and like, you know, in a, in a weird way, I don't think a lot of it might've uh happen like if it wasn't a reaction to kind of like a lot of the you know kind of message and stuff of like you know of like the 60s and 70s so yeah yeah, yeah same time i was listening to uh what was it uh territorial pissings with nirvana doing the come on people now I'm trying to... yep. but at the same time i was also listening to the original like who was that mamas and the papas or oh. whoever it was yeah everybody get together get together and try to love one <laughs> so jungle horror is is the other you know the other half of this and and where we're going uh in the the evil brother of uh jungle boogie yeah yeah (laughs) how important was it for you to watch the 1997 ice cube jennifer lopez movie anaconda in uh actually i just watched that for the first time this uh this past summer <laughs> it was like one of those like uh uh not to get too deep into it but um my wife and i like we're you know uh watch movies all the time another thing and it so we'll we'll make like brackets like uh march madness oh but we'll do okay. movie. so like we'll do like uh so around how like halloween we'll do horror movies and mm-hmm. uh but it's too like like big of a genre so we'll do like all right vampires werewolves uh, ghost stories or like, or like serial killers and zombies or something like that. Uh, this past summer we did creature features. 
Mm. And uh, we went down the line of going like from like them to uh, R2, Anaconda, to uh, Piranha, to uh, – so we had like uh, sharks, we had creepy crawlies, we had uh, – uh, I can't remember whatever else we had. But uh, So yeah, so the first time I saw Anaconda <laughs> was, uh, yeah, this past summer, and I was like, well, how, how was I not watching this when it came out, like with the rest of these like dopey – like it, it, it seems like it would be perfect, like a double feature with that or like something like Twister or something, you know, like that, or, uh, or some other 90s kind of like bonkers summer movie like that. But, and that's the thing, right? Yeah. So like that was during a period when there were like so many ridiculous sort of disaster like kind of, or like man yeah, versus nature. We don't have to have like a, that. We, yeah, we kind of have a puppet snake, but at the same time we get this uh, uh, video game looking CGI going on. And yeah. it's like, yeah, it's, it was kind of a realization where we could do anything now. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, Jurassic Park is the best made disaster monster movie of all time. Oh, the best thing with Jurassic Park, especially, is when that when the, the whole T Rex thing. I mean, <laughs> that could have been put out today. It looks that good. It's mm-hmm. it's insane how good yeah. that that movie looks. Honestly, like, it looks better than all its sequels. Like, all right, that's there's this, there's this, but kind of some slack. It's ninety three, you know. But that that T Rex spot is. Just, it's right on. It's, yeah, that's right on. What's what sells Jurassic Park is the awe that every actor reacts to. It's the yeah. Sam Neill and yep. um, Laura Dern and react like these things are really there, and that helps sell it. Even if at places the effects aren't as good as what we see now, and I frankly think since they're at least partially practical, they're better than most of the. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Well, because they're, the they're, react- yeah, they're reacting to like a thing. They're not reacting to like somebody holding like a green tennis ball on a stick. Like, this yeah. is a dragon. Like, you know, <laughs> like, um, well, the, uh, yeah. I, I love the, um, especially that first shot when they see the, the Brachiosaurus, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, Samuel gets up, the, stands up in the Jeep, takes his glasses off or puts them the, on, yep. whichever. That's like, <laughs> How they shot that, how they did that is the equivalent of like Wizard of Oz when she opens the door and it's color now, you know? Yeah. Like, this is the idea they're looking at, like, we've kind of seen CGI stuff before this, but it was like Terminator 2, it's like the abyss. It, and, uh, but see something live and breathe, and not to, not just anything, but a dinosaur and moving that slick and everything. It's just, it was the perfect way to sell this, the CG yeah. to the rest of the world. Like, look how amazing this is. And see, they're amazed, and you're amazed, and we're all amazed. And and uh, <laughs> I remember like seeing that like watching that movie as a kid and like especially on tape every time they were like I'll show you and then it cuts to them going to the I was like oh all right let's go <laughs> like, it's still entertaining but can we just just park the camera can I just look at them bop around <laughs> uh, they they spared no expense but uh... <laughs> except on security <laughs> that, that's an old joke. <laughs> Uh, so what is your 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 theoretical Spotify playlist for this series? You know the the shades the the band give me vibes. Rich oh. made up a playlist, fantastic, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, actually, um, yeah. I mean, I, I I I'm planning on posting the link on on Twitter, but I could send it to you guys if you want. But I love that a lot yeah. of uh, yeah. a lot of good stuff on there. Hold on, let me uh, pull it up and I'll read a couple to you. Please. So <laughs> we got. 
out of time by the rolling stones which i think is kind of like like uh the song that like i keep coming back to um we will fall by the stooges i'm waiting for the man by the velvet underground white rabbit (laughs) white rabbit jessica airplane time of the season the zombies, uh, Crimson and Clover by Tommy James and the Chandels. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just kept throwing like, just, just kept throwing stuff onto here and like you know, and then like the weirder the better, you know, like mm-hmm. stuff that yeah. like I got Eve of Destruction on here by Barry McGuire, um, Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. The end by the doors. Yeah, you had that at the end of there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Same deal with uh, waiting for the man. You just like that's. Yep. You need need to have that. Yeah, those two. If you're especially doing sixties weird. Yeah. Uh, Sweet, you know, like Jeff Beck just said, I got over under sideways down by the Yardbirds. (laughs) But yeah, you know, just kind of like, it was just like kind of going through (laughs) like started with like some songs that I knew and that I liked and then let Spotify make some suggestions, discovered some new stuff. So yeah, it was a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, uh, personal favorite uh, Peace Frog on there. Oh yeah. Peace Frog's here. Peace Frog is actually from 73, but I don't know. Just fit with the uh, vibe. It's the vibe. There you oh, go. Man. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I always skip that song. How dare you? Oh man. Uh yeah, no, in thinking about and kind of looking at the shades, you know, they definitely give me vibes of like late period Beatles, but also a lot of the doors uh, mm-hmm. in there. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think kind of like, you know, they're, they're like a, a weird amalgam of, yeah, like I guess like the the Beatles, the doors and the stones, which I think are probably like the, you know, three biggest, you know, bands that like i think of when i think of like that era so mm-hmm. um but you know like we didn't want we didn't want to like kind of copy any one of them like outright but mm-hmm. just wanted to like kind of create the vibe of like a, a band that like could plausibly like you know have been yeah. like part of that time and and like been big in that time mm-hmm. yeah you can see these guys playing woodstock yep absolutely um <laughs> uh, so Alex, what was what was your favorite thing about the '60s fashion in this to to draw, and what was the most challenging? Those flowers, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was a lot of fun. Um, uh, it was Goofy's thing was drawing bell bottoms, and I was mm-hmm. like, all right, some guys have bell bottoms, some like, and uh, I'm like, I was like, all right, so I'll I'll have them in there here and there, like the, uh, um, but. Uh, the uh one of the guys in the band and uh i'm blanking on his name rich it's the the guitarist the blonde one okay oh yeah. that's uh yeah rick rick thank you yeah um uh but yeah like he, he was described as like this is the guy that's like full on like he's like all out like fashion type of thing and that was a blast because i was looking at like sid barrett i was looking at like mm. uh, uh like uh jimmy hendrix but like the uh what mitch mitchum like what was he wearing uh, a lot of frills, you know, like tuxedo shirts that were bung around. And, um, but yeah, and like uh, the, uh, our drummer, I gave him the biggest, like his fro, I think got like bigger as the, like uh, he had a real MC5, uh, what yeah, was yeah. the dude? Yeah. MC5 had a big fro. Like, uh, 
And um, but yeah, so a lot of that. I mean, it's it's fun. It's fun. Um, and uh, like in like the doors, I was totally looking at. Uh, all right, uh, like it's a funny thing with doors. You're looking at them and. And like their, their stuff was pretty basic. It was just t-shirts and blue jeans and like leather pants every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But um, so yeah, a ton of Sid Barrett. I was looking at um, and like early Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, dude, that stuff that stuff's a lot of fun. And um, but it was funny. So when uh, designing these guys, um, like um, what I did was because um, I was trying to, th- I was thinking of like rock stars that I grew up listening to from that point and um how i kind of figured it out was like not looking up pictures of them but like thinking of like what these guys look like in my head and then drawing from there and uh so i i drew a bunch of guys for uh rich and i said Here, here's a bunch of faces and he said great yeah bing 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 that's our band like oh terrific all right <laughs> and um so but yeah so like each one of those guys is like <laughs> is based off a real real person there from that era which is funny because the guy I based Jimmy off of uh, was uh, didn't even uh, he wasn't even a singer, so that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> by the end of the issue, it's clear that by the end of the first issue, it's clear you know you've got a fairly large cast that you're dealing with. Though also it's a horror book, so you know no doubt that load will be lightened as we go. But uh, you know how does this cast compare size wise with those from the other books that you've worked on respectively? Well- it's definitely bigger than uh, Road of Bones. That was just like three guys. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it had two guards, three guys. And, uh, um, and I think it's actually a little bit bigger than um, the cast in Sea of Sorrows, which was kind of big because we had like a whole like crew on 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 a. I say, speak for yourself. I had to draw all those background guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So <laughs> maybe a, a little bit less in terms of like you know overall cast but you know in terms of like just sort of like the principles like yeah i think there's there's a little more going on here like um but i think it i think you know the challenging part is kind of making sure everybody you know gets enough time for kind of like their their part in the story to play out you know like everybody there kind of like has their own little agenda you know and and the agendas don't always match up, you know, they're kind of like, you know, sometimes they're cross purposes. So um, like, uh, you know, in the story, basically what happens is they, the band uh, wants to, Jimmy wants to go into the jungle, you know, like to, to find this, uh, this, uh, you know, cure, but he doesn't know what the deal is with the jungle. So he kind of like hooks up with a, um, uh, like a, a research group that's going out there anyway to research some recently unearthed uh, Mayan ruins. So, you know, they sort of work it out. We're like, okay, you know, like we'll, we'll throw you some rock star money and uh, you know, you just let us sort of like tag along with your guides and your, you know, and your people. So, uh, you know, but then the scientists sort of have their own, their own agenda, you know, that has nothing to do with um babysitting a rock star so that leads to tension along the way so (laughs) yeah so i think you know like as kind of like the as the series goes on you know sort of like everybody gets more and more afraid and 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 you know angry at each other and um you know that's when the fun stuff happens in in a horror story uh, (laughs) when you kind of push people to the edge of their rope so 
Did you take any lessons, Rich, from your uh, other book, Oceans Will Take Us, The Ocean Will Take Us, when it came to balancing that cast? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think, like, the, the Ocean Will Take Us is, like, a totally different, you know, vibe than, like, the uh, the horror stuff, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I guess it's, like, it is a horror book, but it, it's definitely not as, like, gruesome and not as, uh, you know... Um, I guess like hardcore for a lack of a better term, but, uh, but there is definitely like, kind of like, you know, a dynamic going on because you've got in, in Ocean will take us, you got like, you know, about half a dozen um, high school students that are, you know, bantering and, 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 you know, they all have their, their own thing that they want to do. And um, so I think, you know, definitely like every time I, every time I, I do a book, as far as writing goes, you know, you, you learn a little bit more about kind of how to how to balance out the cast and how to, you know, uh, have them um, react to each other and and how their relationships start and change, you know, throughout the whole thing. So I think you know, definitely like learned a lot doing oceans. Will, the, the ocean will take us, and you know, learned a lot doing breath of shadows too. So maybe in the next book it'll be even better. We'll see. <laughs> So seeing as this book is partially about drug use, uh, I thought I'd pepper in this question from our grand Twitter inquisitor, Asimov Fangirl, uh, especially because this this question takes a journey. So uh, she asked, uh, what was used in your schools to, scare quotes, protect you from drug use? And then she gives as an example, apparently they showed in school an uncut version of Requiem for a Dream. Uh, to oh, a bunch of 15 year olds. That will absolutely do it. <laughs> that'll I'm turn a you off a lot of things. Yeah, do oh, I, did, I remember the, when I first saw that movie, like it was in uh, college and we had this whole plan. We were like, all right, me and my buddies, we're going to go. First, we're going to go see this movie, whatever it is. Uh, then we're going to go to this party. Then we're going to go to that party. We're going to see this guy and this guy. We're going to go get like <laughs> drunk and all that stuff. We watched that movie and we all just went home. We're just like, oh, jeez. <laughs> <like, laughs> I, I, you know, I gotta call my mom. Yeah, <laughs> I think I got some homework, fellas. I got, I'm just gonna go home. <laughs> uh, for me, I think that uh, I remember, I remember a cop coming in to talk to us and basically like, um, just literally like reading out of like almost like a, like a book, being like, "Drugs are bad, and uh, if you take crack once, it will kill you or drive you crazy." and You'll murder your entire family and, and and stuff like that. Um, not that I'm trying to say crack is good, but it was definitely like kind of like the prop the propaganda version of of you know mm-hmm. uh, how bad crack is. Um, and then yeah, it was just like after school specials and and you know like you know commercials on MTV where like John Bon Jovi is like, "Don't do drugs, man." Here <laughs> it was like there was like some something where it was like. It was called Dare, and it was like yep. something like, "Oh yeah, drugs yeah. are." I forget what it was, but it was like something with like rock stars, like you know, doing for like Dare. So that's yeah. what I remember. <laughs> well, didn't really know. work. Didn't work in my case. Not, <laughs> not that I I, 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 I didn't. I never smoked crack, but I'm just saying. Let's just say, as far as recreational drug use, it wasn't that much of a deterrent. <laughs> yeah, stay out of the crack, would you? Yeah. Uh, I, so the one that re- that really did work for me to kind of keep clean for uh, at least like I college um, uh, was basically just, I was uh, 
growing up, like we always had Blues Brothers and Animal House and mm. those movies all the time. So John Belushi, when I was a kid, was one of my heroes. At the same time, uh, Chris Farley coming up from Santa Live was another. I, I thought this guy was the greatest guy in the world. I thought he was hilarious. I still think he's hilarious. So I remember like here, my brother telling me, like, I was like, say something about John Belushi. Like, geez, I haven't, like, how come he hasn't done anything else? And, he, and my brother's like, he's dead. He's been dead since 82. I was like, what? And I, I was just a kid. And like finding out that drugs killed him. Then finding out, I was, I'm mean, a huge Indiana Jones fan. Finding out River Phoenix died from drugs. That mm. messed me up. Uh, Chris Farley then drops dead from drugs. So mm. um, that that's what kept me from like, you know, staying away from any of that. And then uh, and then I discovered weed, but then uh, that's another story. <laughs> Is my mother listening? I'm still clean. <laughs> It, I, I was thinking. I was thinking about this because, just first of all, the idea of being shown Requiem for a Dream in you know something outside of film school, uh, holy shit! But uh, I was just mm-hmm. like, you know, I know Dare was big like after I went through high school because Dare, Dare hadn't happened yet. So I, I feel like my big sort of like say no to drugs education. Uh, thank you, Nancy Reagan. Was uh, <laughs> you know like the, the the PSAs and like the kid who yells at the bully, "I'm not a chicken, you're a turkey," and I learned it by watching you. And yeah, and yeah I remember that one. Saturday remember morning cartoon movie. all stars to the rescue. Remember yes. the one? You remember the one where they like uh, crack an egg into a pan? Like, yes, this is your brain, your brain on drugs. On drugs, yeah. sure, sure. classic. <laughs> what do you hear though? I, I I'll, I'll tell you this terrible dare story real quick. Uh, from when I was a kid, I uh, so we did dare. We did the whole thing. They had a big thing at the end of like at night, doing like a graduation with the police there and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was they gave us all T-shirts, mm-hmm. and um, and I put it on immediately, like, oh, it's cool, great, we have a T-shirt. I've seen these T-shirts, blah blah. <clears throat> what I didn't know is what we were supposed to do is if everybody wore their dare T-shirt the next day at school, the teacher was going to take us out to an ice cream parlor. We're all going to get ice cream. Uh, I was the one person that showed up to class without a dare t-shirt and oh, oh, I was God. just like oh great that's really really great <laughs> so now I'm a drug addict then <laughs> <laughs> went straight to the bottle after right after that <laughs> so so what one more story about Rick Green for a dream before and, and then we'll get back to oh, sure, sure, I swear sorry. But uh, I actually, I met the actor who played the uh, the pawn shop owner in Requiem for a Dream, uh, Mark Margolis. He, he was just getting ice cream on the street in, in Brigantine in 2002. So not long after after that movie had come out. And uh, this, this is the same actor who played uh, Hector Salamanca in like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. OK. So but at the time, I re- he was very nice. He was chatting us up. And, and like all of a sudden he reminded us that he played the landlord in Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. And I got uh, very yeah, excited. Yeah. I was like, that was you? What, the uh, Ventura? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this guy's been doing like real classy Darren Aronofsky movies for like the last decade. And that's the thing that uh, yeah. <laughs> that's my dumb 22 year old ass off. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> God. Uh, now quick abrupt subject change here so uh rich you actually uh you know in addition to this series uh that's launching soon you know you got brought in brought in a few months ago to help uh co-write booms magic the gathering series with uh jed mckay uh how how has that experience been uh it's been awesome um you know I, i like i haven't played magic the game in like 
couple of decades, but like, I remember like when I was in college, like it was just this kind of like new thing and mm -hmm. huge. And, and like, I just remember like, you know, I, I had bought like hundreds of dollars worth of cards. So, you know, I loved magic uh, for, for played it for a long time, but then kind of fell out of it. And it was just like, I great to like, kind of, uh, kind of pick up and, and do a little research and kind of see where, where it's gone in like the last 20 years. But, um, you know, Jed wrote, I think, yeah, he wrote like 20 issues of the series, like, like on his own steam and they were great. And it was just amazing to be able to, um, kind of pick up some of the threads that he had been using and, and take them in a, in a new direction and just working with him has been great. And, um, everyone at boom and everyone at, at wizards of the coast has been um you know really like uh easy to work with and supportive and and like you know like we we are pulling out like some pretty crazy ideas and, and they're all like yeah this is awesome so so it's really cool you know it's like it's it's you know you know similar to i guess you know writing for let's say like a Marvel or a DC, it's like you have this whole huge kind of like universe to play with, mm -hmm. you know, with like, you know, years and years of history and like, you know, and characters. And, and it was just like really fun to be able to kind of like go back through the cards and, and, and stuff and be like, Oh, I want to use this guy or I want to use, want to use him, want to use her. I want to have, have them cast that spell, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So it's been a lot of fun. Is there like a sort of division of labor between you and Jed, you know, it's, whether it's like certain plots, certain characters or, or whatever? Yeah, I think, you know, Jed is a very, very busy guy, much busier than I am as far as comics goes. Like he's writing, you know, he writes Moon Knight, he's writes Strange, he's going to be writing Doctor Strange. He's just got announced that he's uh, going to be the new Avengers writer. Yep. So, um, you know, I, I, I think like part of what I was trying to do with like magic is, you know, make it as like easy for him as possible to like, you know, be able to like still be involved. So mm -hmm. a lot of the work that we did together was kind of like plotting and, and bouncing ideas off each other and stuff like that. And then when it came to scripts, I would usually, um, I've been like, uh, you know, basically like, writing like a full draft and then kind of like shooting it over to him and just being like, Hey, is, you know, are you cool with this, anything you want to change or like, what do you think and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah. So, you know, we definitely like bounce stuff, bounce ideas off each other and, and, and talk about stuff. Um, and then, but then when it comes to like getting the actual script down, I take on more of that role. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you also still have to wrap up uh, or in the process of wrapping up uh, Happy Hill at Comics Tribe with uh, Joe yep. Mulvey, correct? Yeah, we actually just uh, just finished uh, writing the uh, the fifth issue, which is going to be the last issue for, for now. Um, Joe's uh, drawing it. I think he's got like one or two pages left to go. So that should be popping back up on Kickstarter pretty soon. Um, and yeah. And then I got a lot of uh, other stuff in the works for uh, 2023. So that's, that's, that's the good stuff that you can't talk about yeah. yet. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> right on, right on. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Alex, what, uh, who, what artists do you uh, jam on personally? 
Um. Oh my god, it's all from uh, who am I? Who am I just taking right now? Or <laughs> you know, now, then, whichever. <laughs> sure. Um. Yeah. Uh, um. Well, uh, all right. Let's. Uh, so uh, off the top of my head, uh, uh, Jason Sean Alexander, who's doing like okay. uh, he's doing Blackula to Philadelphia. That guy's mm-hmm. ridiculous. He's is just. It's, it's great. Everything that guy has done has been great. Um, uh, there's a guy I always bring up, uh, and he's uh, Christophe uh, Chabut, uh, who's a French artist, and Rich has probably heard me say this name like <laughs> enough. But uh, he he did a uh, he did a, a retelling of Moby Dick, which is uh, a huge influence on, um, on CSROs, and um, he did another book called Alone, uh, Park Bench. Um, just yeah, I I'm just uh, yeah, I love the guy stuff, but um, um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's two names off the top of my head, uh, and I'm blanking on anybody else, but uh, oh, who's the uh, just did King Conan, um, I can't remember that guy's name, but uh, yeah, it, that stuff's really good, but there's a zillion, zillion guys out there that are great, um, and you know, so when I uh, I mean, that's what I'll do when I go uh, pick up books all the time, I'll just basically try to flip through and see who I can rip off, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but yeah. And, um, but like for, so for like big influences for uh, breath of shadows, uh, I was looking at like uh, uh, West, uh, West Wilson, who did a bunch of psychedelic posters uh, from that area. And then going back to like Alphonse uh, Mucha, uh, who they were basing all the stuff off of. And, um, and also for this book, um, uh, there was a uh, uh, illustrator, Frederick uh, Catherwood, uh, back when him and uh, the, uh, the the writer was uh, Jonathan Stevens, they went down to, they were the guys that, uh, that basically had two first uh, white guys, like explorers who were American, uh, mm-hmm. back in like uh, the mid 1800s, um, 1840s and 1830s, who went down to South America and stumbled upon all these Mayan ruins. So um, a lot of that came from his uh, illustrations because he would go down there and, like basically park and I'm blanking on what the thing is called, but it's basically a projection where you have like a mirror. Look what he is. And it goes down there and he drew on top of that. And was like the first person to make like absolute as close as you get to a uh, photograph of Mm -hmm. this stuff. So I was looking at a ton of his stuff, kind of getting ready for this uh, jungle atmosphere and the, uh, the Mayan feel to it all. And, um, but uh, yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now uh i know you mentioned this a little bit before uh you know you also work a lot with uh john lees who uh we actually we had on the show last year when the crimson cage was coming out uh oh, right guys on. yeah yep. and uh we got we're gonna my back on books of for, last uh, year yeah oh nice thank you <laughs> uh but you guys are working on another volume of uh your scottish crime horror series oh six. yes thank you yep yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm wrapping up. Uh, along with wrapping up the end of uh, Breath of Shadows, I'm also wrapping up uh, issue eleven of that, which has been it's been a long time coming, and it's completely my fault. John's had these written for a while, and we we got distracted by uh, Crimson Cage and uh, CSR. But excuses aside, yeah. So uh, yeah, six going to be coming out. Um, I'm sure they'll be popping up on Kickstarter at some point. Um, and then yeah, I got a bunch of stuff coming up, which like you said, I can't talk about. Um, which is just so annoying. I was like, I can just oh, but um, but yeah, no, we got more of that. It's gonna be really good, and I'm excited about it. And um, uh, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be great. Right now, right now. go pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so you know when, when i was you know doing the research getting ready for this interview uh and i was looking through your your kind of you know oeuvre i i discovered a publisher that i had never heard of before how did you connect with bliss on tap publishing oh yeah that that goes back to the like uh the, the early days so um back when i was uh bopping around show like comic cons with a portfolio and being like hey i can draw who's got a job <laughs> and um and that's actually how i met them so i was at a new york comic Con, and for anybody who's uh that's listening who's aspiring artist this is what you gotta do uh to get a job like don't focus on like when you're when you're putting together your portfolio or anything to show off don't focus on like a book or anything like that or don't like just what you do is sit down and you draw five separate pages of five different like genres. Draw something in horror, draw something like sci-fi, draw something with superheroes, draw something with kids, old people, uh, people that are in shape, people that are not in shape. Show everybody that, hey, I can draw everything. What do you got? Uh, and that's how you get a job. So that's what I was doing. I was walking around like small press in New York. And this is back in like 2011, 2010, maybe something. It's a long time, like when I was just starting. Um, and, um, I met them, they liked my stuff and they said, uh, uh, Brian Phillipson, who's the top guy over there. It's like, I got this book, uh, future proof. Uh, I don't have an artist. Do you want it? I was like, yeah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and, um, and so I drew that with them. I drew another story called, uh, I play the bad guy. I drew uh, a book that's out now, a uh, duel. Um, and number four, if it hasn't been out already, it's, it's about to be out. I'm not sure when it's coming out actually it's a professional i am uh but um yeah so i've been yeah i've been knowing those guys uh uh yeah forever and yeah we get a book uh weed magic out too and a lot and um but yeah they're great good to hear <laughs> yeah i was like basically the same time i met them and i met uh comics tribe mm -hmm. and then uh and that's comics tribe is where i got met rich and that's all it connects going to going to shows and meeting people that's how yeah that's how you do it all connected uh <laughs> <laughs> penultimate question what are you reading right now rich why don't we start with you uh right now i'm reading uh that texas blood uh, i don't know if you guys know that. yep book. we've um, had the entire creative team on the show. Yeah. chris on the show <laughs> just a few weeks ago <laughs> yeah no chris chris is awesome um good dude actually lives not too far from me so so we uh we hang out sometimes um what else it's been a while since i made it out to the shop um that texas blood uh you're reading dual and sink and everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm i'm i'm, 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 I'm uh i've been reading uh, old dog by uh Declan Chalvey, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> what's the thing like uh, Ghost Rider, uh, the, the you know um, uh, over at Marvel, yeah. uh, just Ghost Rider is one of my favorite characters, so I'm always trying to keep up with that. Um, and that's all that's like popping into my head. Like like I said, it's been it's been a couple of weeks since I've been able to make it out to the shop because mm -hmm. like um you know I was, I was away for a while and then when i got back i got i got covid like over the break oh. mm. but you know th those are those are like the three main books that i've been like trying to keep up with oh yeah and moon knight just uh i love what jed is doing over there so 
think mm-hmm. we're keeping up with that as well. How about you, Alex? Yeah, it's the same view. I've been in the shop forever. Um, the problem with where I live, the shop is 40 minutes away. Mm. So, and, and I live like on a main street, so everything is like walking distance. So it's like, if, yeah, to get out of the shop is pain in the neck, which is a shame. But, um, so what I'm actually reading is what I got from like, uh, like from the holidays. So, which was just, uh, uh, Alex Ross's fantastic four. I just got that. Oh, nice. Uh, but, um, and then like some oldies, like, um, uh, well, it's right here. Yeah, read, look at this guy again. Yeah, oh, big guy yeah. with um, uh, Jeff Darrow and Frank Frank Miller. I, I guess they're popular. Um, but the uh, but, I've heard but, of them. Yeah, <laughs> but um, <clears throat> but the Booker I'm I'm actually reading right now is the uh, Tarantino. Uh, oh yeah, uh, 90s, the 70s uh, cinema book. So, which I probably should have brought up a little more when we asked him about the uh, when we get into that era. But um, so, yeah, so I'm on the taxi driver. <laughs> mm. Well, uh, gentlemen, this has been a fantastic hour. Final question before we release you back into the world. Uh, how can people follow you online and keep up with Breath of Shadows and everything else that y- y'all are working on? Well, you can find me. Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram uh, at rduek. Um, my last name is uh, D-O-U-E-K. I know it's tough, but write it down. Uh, <laughs> but basically, like anywhere anywhere you see rduek, it's probably me. And uh, that's my website as well as rduek.com. And on there, you can see all the books that I'm doing. Uh, you can sign up for my newsletter. I send it out like maybe once or twice a month, just with kind of like, kind of like updates on what I'm working on. Sometimes I talk a little bit about, you know, writing and, and freelancing and comics and stuff like that. If anyone's interested. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's where you find me. And Alex. Yeah. Uh, I, I, on Twitter at Alex Cormack four, um, as you know, just because, um, <laughs> but, uh, also on Instagram at, uh, Alex Cormack, uh, illustrator or whatever it is, but yeah, no, I'm on, I, it's, I've, I've said it before. Just Google me. I'll pop up. Um, but yeah, most of the time I'm on either Twitter or Instagram most of the time. So yeah, just, yeah. So Alex Cormack, C-O-R-M-A-C-K. It's easy. Right on. Well, gentlemen, thank <laughs> you so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks so much. This is great. Yep. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, where you can find this podcast, along with our sister podcasts, Battle of the Atom and Bat Chat with Matt and Will, a Batman ranking podcast co-hosted by Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at patreon.com slash WMQcomics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a free comic in the mail for my collection. A $2 donation gets you a Pete Wisdom Hot Claws sticker designed by Kevin Newburn. A $3 donation gets you access to our bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom. A $4 donation gets you access to Our Son Pete and the sticker, and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis, Robert Secundus, Kat Purcell, Liz Large, and Will Nevin from Comics XF, Carla Pacheco, Mike Sagawa, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. The Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQ Comics, me at Daniel P. Grote, 
Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF, assuming Twitter still works. And until next week, remember, if Spider-Man can teach the Beyonder to poop, you can pretty much do anything you set your mind to. I believe in you. W-N-Q-A.